welcome to the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast, the podcast that helps you find solutions for your weight concerns that will last a lifetime. You've got this. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss for physicians. I am not providing medical advice and listening to this podcast does not create a physician-patient relationship. This podcast does not replace a need for consultation with a licensed professional and no information should be relied upon unless you have obtained specific advice or treatment from myself or another physician. Please review the terms and conditions located at www.weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca before continuing. Welcome to episode 99 of the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Siobhan Key. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, If you're just joining me, I am a weight loss coach for physicians, and my focus is helping physicians who struggle with stress and binge eating find freedom without relying on willpower. I'm also a practicing obesity medicine physician, and I've walked this path myself. I have struggled with my weight and emotional eating for years, even as a physician and even as an obesity medicine physician. And it took me learning specific skills through life coaching, actually, that actually gave me the lasting relief that I was searching for in my weight struggles. Uh, And ultimately, I was able to lose uh, 55 pounds and have now been maintaining it for years. And so if you're listening to this podcast, just know that it is possible that you can find that relief, even if you haven't found it yet. Uh, You just have to figure it out, uh, which is a thought that I used a lot in my own journey, but it just takes figuring out what's going to work for you as an individual and finding those individual solutions that actually work. And I hope that this podcast helps you find some of those tools that are going to work for you. Now, today I'm excited to have Dr. Brian Lenskis from the Low Carb MD podcast on with me. And today we're talking about how he's using continuous glucose monitoring in his patient population, working on lower carb diet approaches to weight loss and also management of chronic illness. Uh, And I think it's really interesting to hear real life experience, especially because he's got experience on both sides of the coin before he started using these routinely and now that he's using them routinely and how it's changing and shifting things. If you want to hear more from Dr. Lenskis, make sure you check out their podcast, uh, Low Carb MD, which is a fantastic podcast covering everything low carb um, and definitely worth a listen. They have some really good uh, guests on there. All right. Without further ado, let's get to the interview. All right. Welcome back to the show, Brian. I'm so excited to have you here. Oh, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Early in the morning, you know, we know. got it. We're both West Coast people, so uh, it's fun to be here. You know what? It's good in the summer to do the work early in the morning because then if the, it's nice and our, I don't know, your summer's probably been different because you're in a very different climate, but ours has been really spotty. So if you get the rare, nice day, the afternoon is okay. You, you don't have meetings. Yeah, I've missed a few of them. I've missed a few afternoons to start. We just started the new practice this month. So, you know, the beginning of July, actually. So, yeah, so I've been busy, missed some of those nice summer days, but we've had a lot of nice days here, that's for sure. Nice. And so tell us a little bit about your new practice. Where are you at? Because you're in a different spot than when we talked last. Yeah. So basically back then I was in a standard medical practice. I was seeing, you know, you know, how many patients a day? 20, 22 patients a day, 25 sometimes. Um, busy all the time, working 14 hour days and just kind of crushing my soul, you know, just working hard, 
just always being behind, never being able to catch up on phone calls, being there till eight at night, a lot of nights, and then getting up at four in the morning. And so I realized, gosh, this isn't the best thing for me. If I'm telling people, you know, how to live a healthier life, but I'm killing myself working. And, and a lot of doctors, as you know, are in that situation because I Absolutely. know you take care of a lot of docs. Um, and I said, this is not very good. You know, I went to a talk and or I went to a, a meeting uh, low carb Denver last year and Ben Bickman happened to be there. Who's one of the top guys in the world talking about longevity and metabolic health. And he goes, Brian, look, there's five things you got to do to be healthy. Number one, don't work yourself to death. I'm like, Oh no, I'm over <laughs> on so far. He goes, get enough sleep. And I'm sleeping five hours a night at best. I'm like, well, that's not very good, Ben. I'm over it too. I don't like your theory here. And he goes, and he said, you know, exercise regularly. Don't smoke or drink to excess and don't eat processed foods, eat real food. And that's how these people live. Because he's making the point, keep your insulin as low as you can. And I think that's mm -hmm. the one thing that I've been impressed with over the years is most of these people talking about longevity are, are really talking about insulin sensitivity, getting your insulin levels right, watching this. It's not just about what we're eating, in other words, mm -hmm. watching the stress level, getting enough rest, laughing, having fun, counting your blessings, all those kind of things really do factor in to longevity. So if you're grumpy and bitter all the time and you're trying to watch your diet, it's kind of tough because the hormone switch uh, you know, shifts and all that kind of stuff can really affect it. So I started looking at my own life thinking, hmm, I'm making pretty good money. I've always said I didn't go into medicine for the money. Am I willing to walk away from this? Right. And it was actually at the same time Kobe Bryant died. So I thought, you know, he would have given up all of his stuff to spend another couple hours with his kids and his wife. Why wouldn't I? And so I decided, you know what, I got to make a change. And I want to do what I love to do. And, I, and, and the other thing I realized is I looked around and saw all the other physicians around me were drowning. They were working themselves to death and they didn't have time to help me. So when I was gone at the conference for three days, when I came back, and 325 messages, you know, it was just unbelievable. I had no spots to put people. I was booked out for six weeks with zero openings. So my only thing to do to help people was put them in at lunch and after, after in the afternoon late. And so I was like, man, getting home at 1130, coming back at four in the morning, getting home at 1030, getting home. At, you know, it was just a ridiculous thing. And I thought, this can't, this is unsustainable because I have two older parents. And if they get sick, what do I do? If I take a couple of days off, I'll be buried for a month trying to dig out because I want to provide patient care. <clears throat> so I said, well, having over 2000 patients is probably not in anyone's best interest. So then I decided to go to the, to start my own practice, low carb MD, which is named after our podcast in San Diego. And really I went down from around, you know, over 2,000 patients to 200 patients. Now, guess what? I can call my patients. I can spend an hour with them. I'm not in a rush because the most stressful thing for me, and I realized it, was I'd be really trying to teach someone about low-carb or keto who's going to get diabetes. They're on the death's door or they have major diabetes. And I would hear this, doctor, there's three patients waiting. Doctor, doctor, hurry. And I was like, gosh, darn, I want to help this person, but I don't have the time. Hmm. So I started realizing our medical system's a total disaster you know, because doctors don't have time it's a lot quicker for me to say, oh, you have high blood pressure and high sugars. Here's insulin. Here's blood, here's blood pressure medicine. Here's something for anxiety. Here's something. For... Why don't we try to look at the underlying cause, which Ben Bickman's new book that came out is fantastic. And it's called why we get sick. And he's saying the same thing. He says, look, keep your insulin levels low. Don't be stressed. Don't be tense. Don't run around like an idiot. So now I'm cheating the system in a way because I've selected for patients who really care about their health because I realized 80% of the people didn't really care what I was saying. They go, just mm -hmm. give me a pill and let me eat my Twinkies every day. You know, let me just justify what I'm doing with a drug rather than saying, hey, let's try to make you healthier. So I'm taking care of people. When I see them, they're coming in, they're healthier. They've lost weight. Their sugars are better. They're coming off drugs. And 
it's fun. This is fun. I enjoy it. Like every day I sit there and go, I'm getting paid to do this. This is ridiculous at this point. Right. <laughs> and I have a lot of docs that I'm taking care of because they're, they're burned out by the system and they've, they've destroyed their health over the years. So I've, let's talk. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, let's talk. Cause there's so many people listening to this that are going to feel they're in the same spot, right? Where they're burning out, they feel stuck. And I think as physicians, we really struggle making change when it means saying no because it's hard to say no because you worry i'm sure you thought about all your the patients and your practice partners and all that right how how were you able to kind of make that difficult decision like you mentioned just focusing on your family was that what worked or well you know really i looked at i had to reassess and really i'll tell you it's funny because the other thing that happened along this way you know i was in that practice for 17 years about two years ago when i went keto two and a half years ago now i um started getting highs and i started breaking out i was getting like my eyes were swelling shut i was having all these weird my lips were swelling up like crazy weird stuff so like is this stress is i don't i don't not a stress guy and so anyways ultimately it turned out i had mold there was mold in my office that i was allergic to so i could be anywhere in the world i've been in the third world doing volunteer work never have problems never when I'm in my office, I had problems. So I'm like, that's weird. So I actually put the filler, feelers out trying to find a place to move to. And I didn't like my drive every morning. I was driving. It was nice because I could edit my podcast on the way to work. Now I have a one minute commute. You know, it's ridiculous, the difference. But people don't realize that's part of the quality of life uh, is not having to be stressed out and running. And, you know, so I had to reassess and go, wait, is it worth it? And, the, and ultimately, is it worth it? If I'm making X number of dollars, is it really worth it? And am I really being effective? And I think when we talk about physician burnout, which is, you know, one of my big topics I, I'm learning a lot about by my own life experience, um, you start realizing it's not worth it. It's not worth it to kill yourself, especially if you're not being effective. You know, I hated the fact that people would call my office and they say, oh, if you want to have physicals, he's booked out six months. And so the yeah. patient would come and go, I, it took me six months to see you. I was like, well, you're lucky. It usually takes longer. And so my wife is upset because it takes longer than that for her to schedule in with me. Right. And, and so you start realizing uh, what, where our medical system is. And, and, and the reason is, is that we have too many sick people. And unless we're able to take a stand and say, let's prevent the illness before it happens, we're always going to be over flooded with pages. You know, a good friend of mine said, it's not a shortage of doctors. Like, cause I was saying there's a shortage of doctors and that's why I'm working so much, but he says it's an oversupply of sick people. Yeah. And until we see it that way, we're going to be in trouble because you can't fix. It's like, you know, the, my model now is like AAA, meaning I'm here for you. If you need me, text me, call me. I'll get you in that day or the next day because I have spaces to put you in. So people are stunned when they call me. And they go, I can come in today. Are you kidding me? Like, yeah. When do you want to be here? What's good for you? Let's do a Zoom. Let's do whatever you want to do. So having accessibility is a huge thing in medicine. And that's always been the problem, accessibility to your physician. So I think when you start realizing we could do a better job, if we have fewer sick people that are demanding to be seen because they're sick all the time, or, you know, so for me, the way I've seen it is it's an upfront investment because if I could spend an hour and a half or an hour with someone right now, it's good. They're not going to come in as much. I, I have a guy I just saw this week, followed me over from the old practice and he was on a ton of meds and he was miserable all the time. He's lost like 48 pounds. He's off all of his meds. His energy's through the roof. He looks fantastic. He's working out. He, he, he couldn't even work out before. He's off all of his anti-inflammatories. His mood's great. He's sleeping great. Everything's great. I was like, well, you're wasting my time. What are you doing here? He's like, man, I just want to, I want to come just to love you, man, because I know how it is to be sick. And now I feel great. And to see that is fun. Like when you see that, it, it's just That's great. It's amazing. We, Talk about the wife and kids rather than saying, well, how are we going to 
manipulate your meds to make your sugars go down from all the stuff you're doing. You know, he changed his life and it drastically changed all this. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's why I love obesity medicine so much, like those patient encounters. And like you said, it's not everybody that can make those changes when you're talking to them, but like when they do and like all the stuff that's outside of what they eat and outside of what their actual weight is improves, like their function, their ability to go upstairs, their ability to tie their shoes, you know, like simple things that we often don't always think about. It's amazing. Like it's so rewarding. And being able to go on an airplane, you know, if you can nowadays, but, you know, I think it's those things that you realize that you give someone their life back and you can help. That's why obesity medicine is so powerful because, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm doing a couple different, I have a a bunch of hats at my new practice. I happen to be on the the campus of San Diego Christian college, which is where my daughter goes to school, which is awesome that we can see each other and hang out a little bit before I was half an hour away. So if I wanted to see her at lunchtime, there's no way it was going to happen. I couldn't do it physically. You know, we couldn't do it unless, you know, she drove all the way out my way or I drove all the way here. Uh, so anyways, we're there. So I'm going to be taking care of a lot of the students on campus, really focusing on metabolic health that first year because eating terrible food does affect mental status. As a matter of fact, I have a meeting around for this talking about it, you know, drinking sodas, eating terrible food, gaining 15 pounds your first year of college really does affect our, how we deal, our, our learning, all that kind of stuff. So it's critical stuff. And they're all in on this. So I'm really happy about that. Plus, we're, we're doing more obesity medicine type stuff. My partner's an obesity medicine specialist, uh, Kristen Baer, who's fantastic. And she's making huge differences. And so when you start seeing all these um, avenues, and now I think really the big thing, and I think this is a big thing where obesity medicine is going to be going, is especially low carb, in my opinion, is um, getting people cleared for surgery, for orthopedic surgery, for mm-hmm. you know gastric bypass, even those kind of. I mean, doing the work up front, people have better outcomes. So you know, in six weeks, I, I my personal experience, and this was made me thinking, start thinking this way. One of my patients, though, very very poor, sweet as could be, but poorly controlled diabetic, miserable, on crutches, can't walk, begs me to clear, and her three month sugar average in U in U.S. terms nine point two. Six and a half is diabetes, so she has very poor control. Joints hurt, blood pressure's 160. I'm like, look, I can't clear you. You're a disaster waiting to happen. I can't clear you. You'll get infected. You'll be in hospital for a year if I try to help you now. So here's our options now. You're maxed out on meds. I've been talking to you for two years about keto and low carb and all that kind of stuff. We could try that or I could put you on insulin. If you go on insulin, we'll get your sugars under control, but you're going to gain 30 or 40 pounds. Your joint's going to hurt worse. Your lifestyle, your longevity is lower, all this stuff. And she goes, I'll do it for six weeks. Six weeks later, she comes in, A1C 6.2 in, in six weeks, not even three months. I know. She's, her blood pressure is normal. I get her, her, all of her labs are better. She's lost 17 pounds and she's feeling great. So I'm like, wow, this is amazing. So I go, okay, I'm going to clear you for surgery. And she said, hold on. That's what she said. My knee doesn't hurt anymore. I'm hiking. I'm going up the stairs. She lives close to me. So I know the place is hiking, what she's doing. I so much, I pray. All those cut out processed food, like, you know, tortilla chips and, and donuts and crackers. I mean, that's ridiculous and avoid surgery. That's yeah. crazy. And so, you know, the more orthopedic surgeons I'm talking to, they go, you guys are, he was Joe, a friend of mine called me. He goes, are you doing this low carb stuff? I go, yeah. He goes, okay, let me send patients to you right away. He was saying that. He said, I said, why? He goes, I, you know, I'm going to cost you a couple surgeries. He's yeah, you'll cost me a couple surgeries. That's true. And that's good for the patient, but there's a ton of people I can't even operate on because they're they're so out of they're so dangerous to operate on their sugars are out of control and their joints are hurting and all that kind of stuff so you know you start realizing the implications of people who are hurting all the time and miserable that they can get better 
through lifestyle. And this is what you're saying. It's not about the weight loss necessarily. You know, I called Ben Bickman when this happened. He said, well, Brian, you should expect that. When you get the sugars under control, the chondrocytes in the joints start working better. You start making more joint fluid. And he has documentation of all this stuff. So when you start seeing those things, you think, wow, this is pretty remarkable. Plus, they're, stop, they're stopping their anti-inflammatories because they stop eating inflammatory foods and they get better. And as you feel like a, a snake oil salesman sometimes because all these conditions that get better, you go, yeah, I expected that. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's kind of weird, right? It's kind of weird. And it, you know, it can be stunning, right? Like for anybody who hasn't worked in this field, uh, when you're using low carb and, and you have one of those, uh, a patient who has diabetes on all the meds and the insulin, right? And when you see how fast those sugars can normalize when they ch truly change what they're eating and you know how quickly you can get rid of all of the medications. It, it's amazing. Like it's, it's when you've been trained traditionally, it's flooring. <laughs> from... I'll tell you what's flooring. This is flooring. I'll tell you a personal story. I'm over at my neighbor's house. I mean, he, he's a little bit older and nice guy, great, like a grandpa to me, just a very nice person. And so I'm over there. I'm nosy. I go, you lost a lot of weight. What are you doing? He goes, I just cut back on desserts a little bit, cut back on a few things. I'm looking at what he's drinking, sodas. His favorite drink was uh, Arnold Palmer, which is half lemonade and half sweet and iced tea. <laughs> and I'm like, man, you lost weight pretty quickly, huh? Yeah. Are you tired? Yeah, I feel tired all the time. I'm beat up. Let me check your sugars. 496, three days before Memorial Day. I'm like, oh my gosh, your sugars are great. You got to call your doctor right now. And he goes, my doctor's out of town for three weeks. And we had this whole discussion. I go, look, you got to get a CGM. I'd put you in the hospital and get you on insulin. I mean, you're, it's dangerous, man. We got to get stat labs. He went and get the next day at labs and all. Anyways, within two days, his, his sugars were running under 300. Within a week, he was running under 100. Wow. Lifestyle only. We took him off seven meds so far he, he transitioned his care over to me he goes i want you to take care of me he was on seven meds four of which were diabetes meds but he was never told he had diabetes or he was in total denial like how can you not tell your patient look we got it we they just kept static they go your sugar's high we'll put another drug and so that's what we're seeing and that's why i'm i'm stunned you know when, and now he's doing fantastic and i have a continuous glue i think it's the, the a continuous glucose margin might be the best invention ever for the history of man really i think you know Putting him on that, he knows. Now, he doesn't have to take my opinion anymore. He eats certain things. Like I see it spike, he'll call me and go, because his, his, what, what his sugars do goes directly to my cell phone. So I could see what he's doing. So all of a sudden, it spiked one day. And I said, what did you do? I said, I had some fried chicken and some uh, two pieces of fried chicken, and not sweet, and some um, coleslaw. And his sugar spiked over 200 again. I was like, what the heck? And then the other time it happened, he had one small hot chocolate. He used to have hot chocolate all the time. He had one hot chocolate to see what it would do and it spiked his sugars like crazy. So then he knows, uh-oh, I'm not going to do that again. That's not good. But if he had strawberries and blueberries and you know, heavy whipping cream, it didn't spike at all. And, you know, so and a lot of times the sugars will drop. You'll see that also. And that's fun. So I think I've learned a ton. I think of all my medical education, having my own continuous glucose monitor for two months, changed everything. I was like, oh my gosh, that's how I respond to exercise. That's how I respond to stress. That's how I respond. And so those things made me start thinking, okay, why should you be chronically stressed and running around like, a, like the treadmill's going too fast where you can't keep up? And I know a lot of people listening are in that situation. And, and like you said, how do you say no? At some point you say, uh, it, you know, because what I think my biggest clientele right now, my, most of my patients, when I talk to them, they're all caregivers. They're all people who are moms who took care of their kids. They took care of their husband. They do all this stuff. And a lot of them are like, they never have time for themselves because they're doing so much. And who's the worst of that? Doctors. 
because we're, we're that's our life we've dead we've we've dedicated our life to helping others and we kill ourselves in the process that's why we died before the general population that's why female suicide that's, rate it's a sad fact unbelievable it's unbelievable yeah in medicine i mean you look at the statistics you think oh my gosh why because you've dedicated yourself to helping people and most of them don't want to be helped and you can't help them right mm -hmm. so we have to come to those now i'm cheating the system in a way because my patients are saying look it's worth it for me to come to you I want you to help me. Tell me what to do and I'll do it. It's like, it's, it's like if you go to your accountant and, and ask for advice and then you don't listen to any of it. It's like, well, I can't help you. Why are you coming to me? Go somewhere else, right? So I think that's kind of, and I think doctors feel that way. They feel abused, neglected, and you know, overworked and stressed and tense and all this stuff we're trying to tell people not to do. And so you mentioned that continuous glucose monitors, are you using those a lot in your practice? Yeah, you know, as a matter of fact, I've I've had this revelation because we just this week really because I'm I'm looking at the numbers because Tro Tro is my partner on the podcast and he kind of mentored me, and he uses um, uh, scale and 24-hour blood pressure cuff, which are useful tools. But what I find is people get so mad at the scale, right? They work out hard and they gain three pounds. I do, right? So for yeah, me, the absolutely. continuous glucose monitor really is, is, first of all, it's a it's a lie detector test because if I see your sugar spiking all the time for no reason, then we have to figure out why that is, right? And and maybe you're in denial. And as a matter of fact, as an example, I had a patient last week and, and she really wanted a continuous glucose monitor. And I said, well, and she's in for medical weight loss. I said, well, I don't think you really need a glucose monitor, your sugars look good, your A1C, your insulin level is pretty good. I don't think you necessarily need to have that. She goes, I need it. I said, why? She said, because if no one's around, I will have a cookie and I will have sneak a couple donuts and I will do the, if, if I know you're watching me, I don't want to disappoint you. If I know that's on me, I won't do it. You think about it, like from an addiction standpoint, what if Alcoholics Anonymous had um, continuous alcohol monitors? As soon as someone took a drink, their sponsor calls, hey, Tom, how are you doing? <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, totally. yeah. It, it, and it really tells you because the problem with standard medicine that I was practicing was you're diabetic. We get you on a low carb. You're doing pretty good. Okay. See you in three months. That's what happens in three months. The holidays intervene and all of a sudden they're a total disaster again and they've given up hope. So with us every week, we're touching the patient, right? We can send videos. We can call them. We could, we could do zoom meetings next Thursday. I'm going for a walk with all my weight loss patients and say, let's go for a walk together. Talk. Who's, who's ahead in the battle? Who's behind? How do we build a community where you're supporting each other? Because the biggest, the biggest failure in any program, weight loss program for sure, is stress. Number two is lack of support. Yeah, absolutely. Right? I think that that high level of support is so important. Like you said, there's so many things that get, and this, as you know, is my interest is, you know, how do we address the things that get you, stop you from eating the low carb? Like if you know low carb works for you and you know you feel great on it, when you choose that donut, what's really going on? Um, and how do you address that? And so things like that, the support and having the continuous glucose monitor, I think are all great tools. Um, I've worn, you know, one for, I just had a sample at our office. So I used one and yeah, it's totally interesting to see what your blood sugar does on a, yeah, uh, it, you know, a lot along those lines, you know, one of the other things that that's intrigued me is so many of my patients now are like, you know what, I'm so bummed I didn't get the glucose monitor a month before I started with you because now my sugars are normal all the time and it doesn't mean anything anymore because they're eating low carb, they're eating low carb, it doesn't mean anything. But when they cheat, they go, oh my gosh. I mean, plus they know, like they know because I'll ask them and they'll say, yeah, I was starving the next morning. After I went out for pasta that night, I was starving. I wasn't hungry before, now I'm starving all the time. So that's part of it, that hunger, you know, and really it's the addiction model. You know, when you look at it, 
Um, and that's why it's hard being a low carb doc because people go, well, what's your stance on it? I was like, well, it's kind of hard. It depends on the individual. Knowing yourself is the key, right? If you're the person who can have a pizza once a month and do okay, then have pizza once a month. I don't care if you're doing better and your numbers are getting better. But if you have pizza one night and then the next day you have to have cereal for breakfast and you have to have toast and then you know, people just go off the rails because it's like an alcoholic. Once you have one drink, you can't stop. And there's people literally like that that will tell me Absolutely. if I have one thing, have no, give me no. And other people say, hey, if every once in a while you don't have a piece of sourdough bread, it's not going to kill you probably, right? But if it leads to you being a disaster, that's why when all these obese people that come to me, every one of them, you, you know how it is. They'll say, look, here's what I did. I did this plan, this plan. I did medical weight loss. I lost 100 pounds. I gave back 120 because they were starving themselves and their body made them gain weight back. So it's very intriguing. I tell you, there's there's fun stuff. One of these days I'm, we'll, we'll talk about because, you know, I, I have a guy that I'm taking care of that he came to me after losing. He was still on the plan. He had 42 pounds on, pounds on a liquid diet. And so he couldn't stand it anymore. He goes, I'm losing, I'm, I'm miserable. I hate life and I'm crazy. And I'm, so I said, look, man, let's just go low carb. You know, first month, eat whatever you want, but low carb. As far as if you're hungry, eat, but if you're not hungry, don't eat. And so anyways, his weight hasn't dropped very much yet. He dropped, he dropped some weight initially, but he went from eating like 500 calories a day to 3000 calories a day, right? Or 2000 calories, something like that. Probably he doesn't count his macros, but we have him on a continuous glucose monitor. It's very interesting because his reaction, I go, your reactions are really the opposite of mine. Because if I do kickboxing for an hour fasted, my sugar spike like crazy because your body's kicking out its fat stores to use, right? So what I'm seeing in him until now, it took three weeks for this to happen. He went for a bike ride. He goes, oh my gosh, I went for a bike ride. I felt horrible afterwards. I was tired and his sugar's dropped to like 58. For him, he runs about 80 generally. Dropped low because his body never kicked his fat out. He wasn't fat adapted. Right. But now this week, He's fat adapted. He exercises in a sugar spike. He's like, oh my gosh. He's worried. He goes, my sugars are spiking now. I go, because you're releasing fat from your fat stores. You're, you're, you're releasing sugar now. You're, that's a good sign. Because before he couldn't do it, he was miserable after your exercise. So I'm like, this weekend, go for it, man. Have hard workouts and let's see how you feel. And I think he's going to feel great. Because he's right. able to get, his insulin was high and he couldn't get to his fat stores. Now he can right? So it took him a little while to adjust. And plus his body was probably freaking out because it's saying, what are you doing to me? I've been starving all this time. So I want to store all this fat away, you know? So it's, it's intriguing that he hasn't gained a pound and then, but he's lost mm -hmm. five doing this. So anyways, when you start looking and say, how's my body react? I think that's what's happening. But then it goes back to this whole thing. Are you under chronic stress? Have you been, you know, bitter all the time and, and, you know, running around like a crazy person, not sleeping, um, you know, sleep is affected. And we see that. That's why I love having these continuous glucose monitors. If someone's not sleeping for a week because they're stressed at work, all their numbers get messed up. Totally. Right? Yeah. Uh, and so what other, um, do you have any other like kind of newer low carb tips or things that you're focusing on or? Um... Yeah. You know, I think, I think really, I just loving what I love right now. It's kind of like what you're talking about too, is why is it? Why is I have a lady who she came to me and I wish I could take credit. She lost 110 pounds for six months before her weight loss. I mean, she was obese her whole life. And six months before her weight loss, she was on DASH diet. I mean, she was on DASH diet for six months, lost six pounds in six months. She was keto, lose 110 pounds, right? It was like crazy stuff. And, but she was like, I love it. She was like, it's like, I feel bad because it's so easy. Like for her, it's easy. So I think, why is it that she can just jump on? And I asked her, why, what's your mindset? She goes, I was just done. I was done. Like, 
trying to hide my belly. I was done trying to like not be in pictures. She goes, I have years that I never even took a picture because I felt so bad about myself. And so when someone gets in that mindset and they're ready, other people, like, as a matter of fact, this is fun too, because I had a guy come in and start talking and he's going through major stress because of the economy and all that kind of stuff. His wife is not supportive and she sabotaged him like crazy. And so he's like, yeah, I think I want to lose weight, but I really don't want to give up the alcohol. I don't want to give up this. I don't want to give up that. And I was like, you know what, man? I don't think I can help you to tell you the truth because in a month you're going to hate me and I'm going to hate you. It's not going to be a good fit. And I said, today's on me. No charge, man. If you want to come back, think about it for a week. And then if you're ready, let me know. If not, I, I totally get it. I don't think it's the right. It's like trying to quit smoking when you're going through a disaster. Really? I said, you got to figure out that stuff because we're not going to have success and I don't need the money that bad. So a week later he comes in 12 pounds down, hasn't had a drink no carbs. And he goes, I feel great. He goes, I'm off all of my anti. I'm like, okay, let's do this. Now I'm so excited because this guy was, his numbers are horrible. Like he is going to die of his disease process. Now we're going to reverse that ship if he sticks with it. Right. So the question is who's going to stick with it and who's not? Totally. How bad do you want it? How dedicated are you going to say, okay, it's not worth it breaking off a piece of donut. And, and you know, because I knew about low carb a lot of years and I wasn't looking, I wasn't doing it because you do it for a little while and they go, oh, we're on vacation let's go back to our old ways, right? Then you come back, oh, we'll start next week. You know, you get to that. That's why people fail, I think. It's that mindset. I think my experience over the last three years has been the people who are afraid of giving up stuff are the ones who have the most struggle. The ones who go, oh, I like this kind of food. Are you kidding me? I can have a steak or I can have fish and I can have vegetables I want. Okay, cool. I can have this kind of fruit. I can, you know, so when people are like thinking, like my another couple I have, they're doing fantastic. The wife, the first week, she cheated with uh, popsicles and, and uh, she said, I couldn't stand it. They were in the freezer. And I had to have them. So I had them the first week and she's crying. And I go, Hey, it happens. Don't worry. Look, you're here now. But she says, I brought you something, you know? And so basically, uh, you know, she was in her, um, in her, uh, the, her overnight bag that she had when she went away with the girls and she always took Tootsie rolls. Right. Cause, and she's a retired nurse who knows better. Anyways, she opened that thing and was getting, she was looking for yarn or something and found it. She's like, oh my gosh, there's a whole thing of Tootsie Rolls. My weakness, my, that's her kryptonite. And she brought him in and said, here you go. I don't need him anymore. I'm done. And she's on track and she's lost eight pounds this week and she's doing fantastic. But, you know, she had to come to terms with, I'm a sugar addict. Like she really, her own terms, not my words, her words. She goes, I'm a sugar addict. If it's there, I'm going to eat it. They cleaned out their house. Her husband's going on a men's retreat this weekend. And I said, how are you going to do? He goes, oh, I already passed my stakes. I passed this. And he told me all the stuff he's passed. He's thought ahead. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, that is like, it gives me goosebumps. You know, because other people sabotage themselves. Like, oh, well, I had no choice. All they had was donuts, so I had to eat it. Well, you didn't have to eat it, right? But if you would have planned ahead and say, these guys eat donuts every time I get with them, I'm going to bring a big omelet and enjoy that. And I won't be hungry all day, right? Totally. So it's getting that mindset right. Absolutely. And that's, you know, you're speaking my language is, you know, it all starts with the mindset and that commitment is what you're talking about too. Like where, you know, sometimes people just have a thought like I'm done with this and it can completely change their behavior just because of that thought. Whereas others, you know, yeah. fear that they're making these changes and it's not going to work, I think is like the most common thing. And they fear that they will be, you know, quote unquote, depriving themselves for no benefit in the end. And, and in that setting, if that's a thought you're holding, it trips you up 100% of the time. That is critical. I think that is this lady. That's exactly her. She was crying. I said, what are the tears about? You know, and she was embarrassed about her way. She didn't want her husband. And I'll go, let's, let's come in separately. Let's all talk. Right. And so really the tears were about, I'm afraid I'm going to lose it all and gain it all back again. 
mm-hmm. right? That's the fear. Why? Because they've done these liquid diets and they've starved themselves and they've been miserable. Like my guy who lost the weight, but he's miserable. And then they get it all back and they're like, well, this is useless. I'm just genetically not able to do this. And say, let's, let's, and that's why, like what we're talking about is like, what's more value? The scale when we focus on that is stressful. Because when you lose, people don't realize if you hold a five pound object, how much five pounds of fat is. So people are, I don't know, it's five pounds. Like five pounds is a lot of fat, especially if it's around your visual organs. You, so really my focus has been on metabolic health. As a matter of fact, a great study, uh, Dr. Liktash, we just had her on the podcast, podcast she did with uh, Jason Fung and Megan Ramos. She took a patient, poorly controlled diabetes. I think the A1C was 9.2 or something like that. Who weighed 125 pounds because you don't have to be fat to get diabetes. And they said, let's see if we can reverse her diabetes. What they do, intermittent fasting, ketogenic diet. With zero weight loss, she reversed her diabetes, A1C 5.2 with no mm-hmm. weight loss. So it's not about the weight loss, but we're so focused on the weight loss part of it. It's like, oh, I'm a loser. I only lost whatever, one pound. But the next week they lose three. And then, so it's not like, look at them. So that, that's why I love having the continuous glucose market. Look what your glucose is doing. Look what your, you know, what your numbers are. You're doing a great job. Your sugars are not spiking after your meals that are dropping. Why? Because you're not giving a ton of carbohydrates. Because you think about how we're managing you know, diabetics out there listening. When you, when you, Eat carbohydrates for breakfast. They say shoot this much amount of insulin to get rid of the carbohydrates. Once if you don't eat carbohydrates for breakfast, you're not shooting insulin for that sugar that you're not eating, right? It doesn't it's crazy. So a lot of my patients, when we look at their glucose monitors after they eat their low carb meal, their sugars drop because their body doesn't have to kick sugar into the system anymore. They have energy to run on now, right? Or they're using their fat stores. So that's when you start realizing, what are we doing? Why are we carb loading? Why would I possibly, if I work out fasted and my sugar spikes to 143 from 70, why would I be need to carb load that? Do I want to get my sugars to 220 instead of 143, right? So you start thinking logically, and that's why the people for themselves figure out, they go, this is weird. When I work out hard, you know, my sugars aren't dropping. Like I thought they would drop when I had my continuous glue. I thought it would drop like crazy. And I was like, it's going up. That's impossible. How's that happening? Well, you're fat adapted. That's why my one patient, it couldn't go up because he's not fat adapted. His insulin is still too high for him to get to his fat stores. And that's why we could weigh 400 pounds and be starving because you can't get to your fat stores even though you have them sitting there. Yeah, totally. Right? I think any of us who've eaten low carbon workout, like those first weeks when you first switch to low carbon, you're still trying to work out like that super draggy feeling. <laughs> like there's nothing yeah. to think is what that is. It's what it is. You're not fat adapted. So Tro, like I thought Tro was nuts when he said this, but one of our episodes that we have a guy named Paulo and he was an ex professional basketball player. And Tro said, look, and this guy ate all that. Like he would tell us what he ate. And you think you gotta be kidding. It's ridiculous. You couldn't possibly eat that much food, donuts and bagels. And he would drive to work for an hour and eat breakfast when he got there. Then he'd eat an hour later. And it was just incredible. So he goes to Tro and Tro said, look, first week, first month, no exercise. And I want you to eat as much fat as you want, fat and protein. And then he tapers down the fat over time, right? It's mm-hmm. not good to eat fat all the time either. So he said, but I want you to have satiety. When you feel satiety, you're going to know. And three days later, the guy calls him and says, oh my gosh, I was eating pizza and I can't even think about it. I'm stuffed. He didn't eat, but he wasn't hungry. So he was fat adapted very quickly, but some people take six months. Some people take six weeks. And, and that's when you know, that's why having the continuous glucose monitor, when I see someone's sugar spiking in the morning, like I, one of my patients, her sugars are high in the morning. And I said, well, what are, you, what are you eating for breakfast? She's eating a low-carb breakfast. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, I said, what time are you eating breakfast? 11.30. I was like, oh, my gosh. At 11.30, her sugars would drop. So after she ate, she was dropping her sugars. They were high because she worked out in the morning. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. now I know what the, now it makes sense what's happening. So I'm not, it's not like you're having cookies for breakfast. 
the sugars are high because it's your body's trying to take care of itself. It's kicking out extra fat stores. You're emptying your fat stores to help you to have energy for the day. So I think when we can do that, that's why it's, it's critical those first few weeks get people bought in and understanding because that is what's happening. Your body's physiology, it runs on a different fuel. Instead of running, my car is a Chevy Volt and it can run on electricity or gas, but it has, to, it has a transition at some point. It can't just, it can't run on both. So if I take away all the electricity and I can't get to the gas yet, then I'm in trouble until I can get an energy source. But once you have an energy source, your body's just as happy. Totally. It's funny. I had a conversation at the, our local running store this week uh, about this, about being fat adapted, because I was talking to one of the uh, employees who runs about, uh, you know, running supplements uh, that, and I was looking for one without sugar in it. And, and he was like, you don't have sugar. And I'm like, no, not at all. And, and, you know, he was floored, but he's like, you know what, back when I was eating carbs and I would run and I would bring all the carbohydrates with me. And I, I would hit the wall, like for on a really long run, like you could hit the wall, I would have headaches after a really hard workout. And now that I'm fat adapted, I do it fasting, I can run for three hours, if I need to with just electrolytes and fluids. And there's no wall to hit anymore. Um, like you, I could keep going, I'm tired, but it's never that like, that yeah like, i think that's running yeah. out of fuel wall yeah that's what we're learning because look at yeah. you know, I, I had the pleasure of interviewing zach bitter but we lost it to space but incredible he's he's local i mean he cycles his diet he does eat carbs he's not like zero carbs but he trains fasted always because mm -hmm. his body is fat adapted so when he's running those long races even if he carb loads a little i mean his carb load is like you know sweet potatoes or something like that he doesn't eat like plates of pasta but he's got every long distance record around 100 miles on the treadmill. I don't know how you could possibly mentally do that, but um, you know, 100 mile trail race, 100 mile, you know, 12 hours straight running. 100, it's it's ridiculous. He's broken all the records and he's 140 pounds or something, right? Because he can run forever. He doesn't have to carry goo with him and sugar and cake and you know honey and whatever. Because he's running on a different fuel source. So the other guys are trying to replenish that. It's like running on. Uh, he's running on coal and they're running on kindling. Right, mm -hmm. you can't run on kindling very far. You got to keep replenishing that. But coal, you could go a long time between stations, meaning a long time between meals, and that's why intermittent fasting. All this stuff you hear that's like you know the new fad is really—they're all doing the same thing. They're all making you tap into your fat stores at some point. If you if you fast all day, then what are you running on your fat stores? You have to. So that's why the CGMs are so great because you could fast all day and your sugars will slowly go up during the day. They don't drop. If you're fat adapted, once you're fat adapted at the beginning, it's hard. So you have to eat all the time to keep your energy. And then once your energy switches over, you go, oh, okay, that's why hilarious. I mean, this whole thing is so funny to me because this guy came in, he was adamant. He goes, look, I know, you know, Jason Fung, I am Fung. I'm never going to fast. Like, okay, then no fast. It's not a big deal. You don't have to fast. And then a week later he comes in and goes, guess what? He's laughing. I said, what? He said, uh, I didn't eat until dinner last yesterday. I said, what do you mean? I think I'd eat every two hours. He goes, I wasn't hungry. He goes, I couldn't even, he said, I went to the refrigerator three times. And I couldn't even think about eating. I'm looking at stuff. I was like, I'm not hungry. Why am I here? It's a habit. So he's, he's at, wow. And so he, in his own brain, because I didn't pressure him into it. He goes, I love fasting. <laughs> It's one week apart. You love fasting. The week before you were like, don't even talk to me about it. I don't want to hear about it. It's crazy. Right. And you're seeing those same things. And so it's, it's, it's amazing. That's why Jason Fung's having such, such, such success doing what he does. And so there's different approaches and, and we're all kind of saying, look, I think we all agree. And even this weekend, Sean Baker and uh, uh, Katz, who's a vegan, Sean Baker's carnivore and vegan. They had a 
kind of a little discussion debate that was very respectful. And they were both saying, look, let's cut out the processed garbage in the middle for sure. And we mm -hmm. can kind of have some common ground there. We're not going to agree on the other stuff, but we'll agree on this. And so it's kind of cool that you don't have to, like when you realize you can be vegan and be extremely unhealthy, right? And, and, and um, so you start realizing it's the, the processed food's a huge problem. And we have to, that's one thing we have to deal with. As a matter of fact, um, you would love Dr. Aiton. We just had her on the podcast. I'll, I'll try to connect you to, because I think it would be great for your listeners to hear her, but she's a, in Eng she's in England. She's in, uh, uh, eating disorders expert, psychiatry, right? And she just did a study and they're saying 100% of the time people binge eat on processed foods. Yeah, processed absolutely. Foods. They're not binge I, eating on broccoli and spinach. I had right. Dr. Saivas on the podcast a little bit ago and and he was, you know, he's so, I kept slipping up in the interview, but you know, it's not food addiction, right? It's, it's sugar addiction. Because nobody gets yeah. to broccoli. Yeah, he he ah. educated me on my podcast on air too. Trust me, yes, he's very adamant. He's one of the brightest guys I know. When I first met him, I, I go, this guy's so arrogant. I couldn't handle it. And then I talked to him. I'm like, man, he's brilliant. He really is. But he's so right on the line. And, and, I, and I kept hammering the point, why are you calling it sugar addiction? And I, at that point, I wasn't ready to succumb to this yet. I think it was, yeah. we like it and it's social. There's, I was making excuses. And he said, look, and he goes through all the data. And I was like, wow. And then I, he said, and I'm a sugar addict. There's sugar. He's a guy. He lost 100 pounds and gave back 30 pounds three different times because once he had one carb, he couldn't stop. He's, and he's the smartest guy around. So, yeah, you learn. You learn. It's like, well, that's his life experience. Is that, and, and so you start looking and saying, is that true or not true? Because all my, I've had so many people say, I'm just addicted to chocolate. If it's there, I'm going to eat it no matter what. Even if I know it's going to kill me, I'll eat it, right? So that, by definition, is addiction. Right? When your sugars are 400 and you're still eating sugar, then it's an addiction. There's, if you're in the ocean and you want salt water, then there's something wrong with you if you're, if you're drowning and you want more salt water, right? Yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. I have a, just a quick question before we wrap up, but with all the work you're doing with continuous monitors, what are the foods that people are most surprised about, about how they impact their sugars? You know, that's an easy one. As a matter of fact, one of my patients who followed me over and his whole family came over, he's type 1 diabetic. And this is years ago. And he had his continuous glucose. Type one doesn't make any insulin. So I said, hmm, I'm curious, what, what, what foods will spike your sugar the most? And he said, without question, the number one worst thing I ever did, and he called the manufacturer and said, there's something wrong with this device because his sugars went so crazy, was sugary cereal. He said, I had like, you know, Captain Crunch with Crunch Bear, something like that with his son one day. And his sugars were astronomical because he just had that. And maybe some orange juice or something. And his sugars were crazy. And he said he didn't believe it. So he waited a week and tried it again. He's like, oh my gosh, I'm never in my life eating cereal again. So he, this is before I was even low carb or even understood this stuff. And I said, what else? And he goes, yeah, I go, what surprises you think you would destroy it? And he said, you know what surprises me is ice cream doesn't really mess me up that bad, right? Because mm -hmm. usually he's having ice cream after he's had a big meal of fat, you know, uh, you know, his steak or chicken or fish or whatever. But, you know, but it's the standard stuff. The biggest surprise really, and, and Dr. Unwin, showed me this and I've seen the tracings, uh, rice, white rice, brown rice, not much of a difference in the, in the, in the glycemic load and quinoa. Like people think they're being healthy and they're, and they're diabetic and they're eating quinoa every day. I've, it's incredible to me. So there's a lot of stuff like that you think is healthy and, you know, looking at it's kind of interesting, but like strawberries, a cup of strawberries and a cup of spinach, cooked spinach has the same amount of carbohydrates in it. 
right? Sugar. Mm -hmm. It's like, wow, that's weird. Like you would never think that you think strawberries would have a ton of sugar compared to spinach, you know, not that one's less healthy, but spinach is going to release that sugar slowly. And, you know, and as a matter of fact, Rob Seif showed me a study with spinach and kale. And like when you're doing these green shakes, when you, when you blend those things up, it has a different glycemic effect than if you ate them, like if you cook spinach and, and kale, your sugar spike a lot faster. Right. So you go, oh, my gosh, that's crazy. So there's things like that that are just surprising. You think, wow, you know, could the, the chicken stuff surprised me that his sugars went that crazy. You know, and so, okay. you know, there's things like that that you think, wow, because I think, um, you know, like you'll see the, the, the excursions. Like if someone really, I think the biggest surprise, too, is when people are fat adapted and they eat like a steak or a double hamburger with wrapped in lettuce, their sugars drop after their meal. They don't go up. They drop. Right? So it's so interesting when people see that, they go, wow, this is, so then it gives me an opportunity to talk to them and they'll say, look, doc, they'll come in now. And I'll say, let's go through your glucose readings and see what happened here when your sugar spiked. Oh, I got into an argument with my wife, right? You know, <laughs> it was just funny when the guy's like, oh, my wife's going to be mad, but we had sex that day and my sugar's went crazy. Right. So it's like, okay, your, your, your body was releasing extra energy, right? He was embarrassed, but he goes, that's what it was. And I was like, okay, I shouldn't ask that. I would look at the time. So it's funny. Cause you see it in the middle of the night, people's sugars will go low. And then in the morning they go really high as a result of that, you know, some of the stuff that we know physiologically. So yeah, I think, I think there's so many things that are fun. And, you know, I'll tell you one of my guys was having, he's diabetic. We got his sugars under control and, and it spiked on a Sunday afternoon. He goes, I had this keto ice cream. So that's what they, that's why it's like, okay, maybe it wasn't keto. Maybe you, who knows why? So I think sometimes you, you um, individualize these things and maybe other people's sugars don't spike, but his did. Um, you know, the other surprising thing is red wine will almost always drop your sugars if you're keto, right? Because uh, your body's metabolizing the fat rather than releasing sugar and, in, 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 I mean, re metabolizing the alcohol because that's a toxin. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff like that that's surprising when you see it and go, what happened here? What happened there? So I think having it is a great educator, education for people. I'm surprised. I think they should be over the counter where people could just learn. Like, you know, probably, yeah. probably some certain industries don't want people to know what their sugars do with certain foods. I mean, that's probably part of this. But, you know, doctors are, I don't know why they're reticent to write. I have people that come to me just because they want to continue to glucose monitor. Their doctors are refusing because you don't need it. But you do because you'll learn anyone if you're healthy. And if you're even if you're healthy, you'll see, you know, fat fiction, that movie, they took people that were healthy metabolically and you see what their sugars do. So I think for me, what I'm really going to, as a matter of fact, I have a meeting this afternoon. I'm going to talk to my partners about that saying, let's start people. If they're coming in for medical weight loss, let's start their continuous glucose monitor two weeks before we see them the first time. Hmm. So you're, you're going to see yeah. when they see their own data, it's not someone else's data, it's their data. And they say, Oh my gosh, what am I doing to myself? And that's what all the time, like, because people all of a sudden you say, if my sugar spikes to 250, when I eat that food, I don't crave that anymore. Cause I know it's a disaster and I'm trying to, it's defeating my purpose. So it's not me telling them. I think when they come to that conclusion, they say, Oh my gosh. Right. And some people, are going to say, oh, shoot, my continuous glucose monitor broke right before the weekend, so I took it off, right? Yeah, right, it did, but it does sometimes. But I had a patient like that I was teasing. She goes, no, legitimately it did because I was curious because, you know, people want to do it, and then they say, well, let me go try. And, and, and for me, you know, if you can handle it not being like, if you're the person, you're not like Rob Seifers who once he has one, he keeps doing it, do it sometimes and see what it does. And then you answer your own question, right? You know what it does. And if you want to be, if your goal of coming to me is to be healthier, then, 
if you don't have your CGM, you're still spiking your sugars, whether you have the continuous glucose mantra or not, it's happening. So you know it. So then it takes that mentally. It's like, you know, if you know something's really bad for you, you're like, man, if I get a hung over, I'm not going to drink that much again. Right. You, there's bad effects from these things. And when people realize, man, it was the day after I ate all that. stuff, I was starving all day. They don't need me to tell. I, I wait for them to tell me. Right. Cause I know, I know what's going to happen. You eat a lot of carbs. You're going to be hungry all the time. Cause that's where I was. And I know the feeling, I know how it is. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Absolutely. Well, Brian, I know you have to get going, but thank you so much for coming on again uh, today. Oh, thanks for having me. This is fun. I love what you're doing. I think, you know, what you're doing, focusing on obesity medicine and docs and, you know, it's a huge thing. I think a lot of us are going to come together and, and realize we, we have to change medicine. We have to change uh, how doctors are thinking because us docs are not very good patients, but I'll tell you, I have at least five doc patients who um, are doing fantastic that are, are, have turned their lives around, right? Mm -hmm. Watching, their, like realizing the effects of all this is not just what we're eating. Plus the stress is going to affect what you're eating. Cause if you're a stress eater, guess what? You're going to eat Absolutely. that stuff. If you're not stressed, you don't eat as much. So it's crazy that the dynamics that come into play with all this, because, you know, a lot of people don't have all the pieces and they just think they do and they don't. And they think, okay, if you, if you tell someone not to eat carbs, they're going to binge. Not true. If you look at the data, that's not what the data shows. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think we're learning a lot and we're still in the infancy, but over time and our clinical experience. And the other thing that's exciting is I have a lot of docs who are doing this kind of medicine and we're on the same electronic medical record so we can share data. And that is going, and that's not just anecdotal when you have, you know, 20 doctors or 50 doctors saying, look, here's my data on my CGM when they went low carb and here's what it was before. Uh, it's powerful data. And so it's not just my story about my neighbor, my story about it. when you have all hundreds of your neighbors together saying the same story, then it's, then it becomes kind of exciting and cool, you know? So I'm excited to see, and then, you know, seeing what the, the triglycerides do. Tro just published a paper on dropping triglycerides. And, you know, so it, there's a lot of great things that, that, that are happening with dietary changes and, and, you know, people are feeling great and they're happy and they love us. So this is, this is not work anymore. It's fun, you know? Yeah. So, but I love what you're doing. And thanks for, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And we're going to get you back on our podcast and talk about well, your stuff, because I think it's, it's really powerful. And I think as you know, we, we interview people, we put the pieces, we all learn from each other. And I think that's really powerful, you know, really Absolutely. powerful. We're going to be able to help patients and, and help ourselves in, 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 at the same time. Yeah. Excellent. Thanks again. All right. Thanks for having me. That was great having Dr. Lenskis on the show again. And make sure you send any questions to me at info at weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca. Make sure also that you check out their podcast, Low Carb MD. It's a great podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so that you get all the new episodes as soon as they're released. And when I do bonus episodes, you get those right away too. Have a fantastic week. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you later. Bye.